Hi, I'm Lowell. And I'm Aiden. And this is I Read the News Today. Oh, boy. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or veterinarians. But we do read the news. And we are here to talk about the shit that's going on. Today is July the 1st, 2019. And we had a debate this past week. Our very first Democratic debate. So you're using the royal we. Yes, we as a nation. Yes. We the people. We, uh, we as Lowell and Aiden did not have a debate. I mean, we're debating all the time, as you can see right here. What's, is a quibble a debate? It's like a mini debate. Okay. I can, I can, I can get behind that. But today we're going to be talking a bit about, uh, or tonight, mind you, we're recording this very late at 11.30 p.m. This is the first recording that uh, Aiden and I are not in the same room for the recording as Aiden is preparing for uh, Independence Day festivities uh, down in Pennsylvania. and The famous beaches of Pennsylvania. <laughs> the famous beaches of Pennsylvania. Uh, so we are doing this over Skype. We wanted to talk, however, about the debates last week, the first Democratic debates uh, consisting of two nights of 20 candidates. Yes. Um, and so what what came out of these debates, Aiden? There are too many candidates. Yeah. I think it's no, the big takeaway. point. Yeah. So I think that the game we want to play tonight is what are the candidates that we think uh, we can get rid of pretty quick? Yes. Have you have you chosen a few? I have a, I have a couple that, yes, absolutely can go. Okay. Uh, give me one. And then uh, then tell me tell me why. Okay, um, so just scanning the list I took of my notes, John Delaney. Uh, part of the reason is I saw the name John Delaney, and I honestly couldn't remember what his face looks like. And I can tell you what it looks like. The one reason, the only reason that I think that John Delaney should should have a chance in this election is he is the one person who I think that can talk to Mitch McConnell in his own language. That of a turtle. Yeah, I, and I wrote down he is turtly enough for the Turtle Club, making a reference to the absolute disaster of a film, uh, Master of Disguise. Which I have not seen, but I do know exactly what you're talking about. Because it was on... in every trailer they ran for that film. All right, so I guess I'll choose one. I think we need to save some of the bigger ones until later, so I'm going to go with... What is the first name of... Bennett? Michael, I want to say. Yeah, Michael. Michael, but I wasn't sure. So, yeah. So if we if we're going to if we're going to talk Michael Bennett, I we can do, we can eliminate two. Oh, because there are two candidates that are running that are from Colorado, Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper. Yeah. And I don't yeah. care about either of them enough to learn which one either of them is. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll wrap them together. Michael Bennett. Uh, not to continue animal comparisons, but he did have a very kind of fish mouth to me. He, there's something about his face that's unusual to me. Only his mouth moves, like it flaps, like a like a, a like a fish's face, like when it stays, like when a fish else. talks. Yeah, like when you know how fish talk. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the main reason you didn't like him. No, no, I think that he. Well, actually, here's, here's, in my opinion, the losing line. Mm -hmm. His losing line of the campaign. 
he was asked if he only had one thing that he could do as president, what would it be? And he said, climate change and the lack of economic mobility Bernie talks about. So his, his one thing to set himself apart is that he'd do that thing that Bernie talks about. Yeah. Well, another thing is his one thing was two things. His one thing was two things. But I think that Kamala Harris, who did very well, had her one thing be like 17 things. The moderators were virtually on their knees begging them to give a one-word answer there. They also weren't really asking questions that anyone would be satisfied just saying an answer and not, like, backing themselves up. Yeah. Like, what would your one thing be? Uh, I want to tell you why. Yeah. My big thing with John Hickenlooper, which is going to carry over to other people, the thing that he kept saying was, I'm a scientist, and every answer that he had he had to relate it to i'm a scientist so that means that i know or i'm a bit i i ran a business mm -hmm. so that means that i can those were really his his two big things based on the way that he talked about himself i hardly would have known that he was a governor if i didn't already well he yeah he did i mean he mentioned things about um like like things that he did as governor that show that he can govern effectively but um i didn't find any of them interesting enough to write down. So, yeah. And with him, I mean, for all of the candidates, I took note of how many times they spoke. John Hickenlooper yep. only spoke four times. Wow. It, well, that's that actually explains why I have only four notes. You said in Colorado we call that kidnapping, referring to the the separating of children and their parents. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, and and he talked to quite a bit about socialism. Yes. Yeah, that's his big thing is Democrats yeah. can't be socialists. But on the other hand, he talked about a lot of positions that I I I don't see as very different from what what a Bernie Sanders considers. So I have three names on our list so far, John Delaney, Michael Bennett, and John Hickenlooper. Yep. So I'm just going to I'm just going to Go with my next one. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of controversy, but I think there's a lot we could talk about with him. Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan. One of his great quotes about war. Nobody likes it. It's long. It's tedious. <laughs> he also did a great job confusing the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, yeah. saying that when we weren't in there, they started flying planes into our buildings, talking about the, the Taliban at which point Tulsi Gabbard said the Taliban didn't do that. That was Al-Qaeda. He also said that I, I'm pretty sure he's the one who said that the Democrats are always seen as elitel. I, I didn't write that one down, but yeah, I do remember. And then made a quick, a quick cor correction to say elitist. Which is a, it's a slip of the tongue, to be fair, but... He also, when he was going over his time and... The the moderator was like, fine, go go ahead, uh, keep going. And he was like, you're a very good man. I appreciate that. Which I was like, that that's just the weirdest thing to <laughs> just So just I, I took note each night of who was the last candidate to speak. Yeah. So on night one, Tim Ryan was the last candidate to speak. He was also the last candidate to speak twice. The last? He was also the last candidate to speak three times. Every other candidate 
spoke before him three times. So yeah, Tim Ryan. Uh, no, no, no debate on Tim Ryan. He's out. You told me that Tim Ryan was going to drop out of the race uh, before we even started. S- suspend his campaign is probably the language you're going to hear a lot. Yeah. I will pick someone. All right, it's your turn. The next one who I think is interesting to talk about is Eric hashtag Swalwell twenty twenty Swalwell. Yeah, I will not. I will not argue with you. He he should go. Uh, he should go. Is it's time to pass to the torch to a new generation of Americans? Quote of Joe Biden, which he then brought up yeah, later. The fact that he brought again. it up again made him look like a petulant child. Like yeah. it really did. He also his when talking about Pete Buttigieg and the fact that a police officer killed a person in South Bend, Indiana. The the officer involved shooting. Yes, the officer involved shooting, the, which the clinical way they described it over and over again. Without having the the body camera on, Swalwell twenty twenty said, "You're the mayor. You should fire the chief. If that's the policy, and someone died, you should fire the chief." It was it was an attempt to be pr- provocative, but I don't think that it landed. Yeah, he did really push gun violence as his his big issue, so I understand why he thought that, that was. His place to push, push. lessening lessening gun violence. Yes, <laughs> gun violence is his issue. Yeah, he said ban and buy back every gun in America. Yeah, which is a bold statement, and I I, I agree with him. Yeah, but it felt a little bit not every not every gun in America, every assault. Yes, happened. it felt like he there a lot of these people that we're talking about felt like one issue candidates. Yeah, uh, and I don't think that you can. And that's yeah, that's what my next one is going to be. Yeah, and I I don't think that you can win a race on being one issue. And I think that the people who made it to the I believe top tier of this election and who are probably going to stay are the ones who, when asked for a single issue, said I refuse to do that. Yeah, and I I, I refuse to allow myself to be whittled down to a single issue mm-hmm. because uh, a president doesn't allow that to happen. It, but I, I do think having a lot of these people, and I, I think that this, this happens in every campaign where people join the campaign, not necessarily to win, but to make sure that the party platform is going to continue to address something. Uh, and I think Swalwell were, was really there to represent the concept of how we can address gun violence. I, I think that Bennett was there to basically piggyback on, on the, the Bernie success uh, with, with economic reform. We also talked about, oh, we have not all, this might be your next person. Okay. Is your next person Jay Inslee? No, it's not actually. Well, then we'll get back to Jay Inslee. Who's your next person? My next one. So I don't know if I'm going to get any pushback here, but I'm going to throw out Kirsten Gillibrand. Okay. Do you have, do you just off I, the bat, are you ready to get rid of her? I'm not. Okay. I actually thought that she performed very well. To me, she is a very controversial politician because she does, for the past two and a half years, she has positioned herself as the most anti-Trump person in Washington. At, at one point, I, I don't know if this is still the case, at one point her record was uh, having voted against Trump, more Trump bills than any other Democrat. Mm-hmm. I think that in that sense, 
I think that she's going to continue having support for a while. I would definitely put her in the final ten. I don't know if I'd put her in the final five. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write her name down because we I want to I want to okay. get rid of ten, uh, and I'm gonna put her name down as kind of a soft get get rid of because I think we're I think we're gonna get to the point where we have to eliminate yeah. people we don't want to. So I'm gonna put her on a kind of a separate list for now, but her name's there. So like, here's the thing: she was one of the few candidates that I was impressed by yep. because of what she said about a woman's right to choose yep. about how we have to be on the offense for that. And I literally wrote down nothing else that she said. So I also, so I also noted that she spoke, she spoke at length six times. She was asked two questions by the moderators and she seized control of the floor by yelling over other people four times. Yeah, so she definitely focused a lot on women's rights and family. In her little one one thing, she talked about passing a family bill of rights that includes national paid leave, mm-hmm. universal pre-K, affordable daycare, and making sure women and families can thrive in the workplace no matter who they are. But she also talked, and very briefly, about clean elections and publicly funded elections is mm-hmm. her big issue. Okay, I'm going to put I'm going to make her a soft suspension of campaign for now. Okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll, I think we're going to have to make some hard choices at the end. Oh, I'm sure we are. But you are up. I'm going to say Jay Inslee. Okay. He very much felt to me like a one one note one position candidate. And that well, he, was, he basically is. He basically is, which is climate change. He didn't seem to want to engage on anything else. Mm-hmm. He is also the person who said, I'm the only candidate here protecting a woman's right of re- reproductive health, which uh, Amy Klobuchar very quickly said, there are three women here who are working pretty hard on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I there's part of me that wants to keep him on the stage, but why? So the the reason that I the reason that I think he could have a little bit of staying power is there I think there's an argument to be made that there weren't enough questions about climate change. There there's questions about whether the Democrats should hold a debate specifically about climate change. And I think they should. And if if that happens, I think he's going to see a little bit of momentum. But there's a lot of ifs in that statement, and I'm willing to make the hard choice to get rid of him right now. There's a lot of ifs, but I feel like there are other people who are on these stages who are saying pretty much the same things about climate change in terms of actual actionable plans. Mm -hmm. And I don't see him really having much else to say. He also had a very creepy smile. I was very, very creeped out by him. Well, he had that one very memeable um, yeah, yeah. reaction the, towards the end. Yeah, where they were like, w- you're going to probably like this question. I believe it was a question about climate change. It had he, to have been. And, and he, he was smiling real big, and then he, he pointed at his eyes and pointed at the, the moderators, and it was very creepy. Yeah. He also talked about taking away the filibuster from Mitch McConnell. That That is actually something that I want to mention. It did feel like there were two people that everyone was campaigning against, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell, yeah. which I don't remember a majority leader of the United States Senate being 
mentioned this many times in a debate that I've seen. He was a near constant point of conversation, and I think completely warranted because, because as as we've seen in the history of Mitch McConnell as Senate Majority Leader, he is a very difficult obstacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Jay Inslee. Yeah, and and he did have some very potent words on climate change, including that he decided on his last day on Earth, he wanted to look his grandchildren in the eye and tell them that he did everything humanly possible to protect them from the ravages of the climate crisis. That is Jay Inslee. Yeah, I won't fight you. I'm willing to get rid of him. Who do you have next? I'm going to go with Bill de Blasio. Okay. Would you, would you veto this? I still think there are quite a few more that I think are more likely to close up shop quicker. Well, yes, I have two in mind, and I didn't I didn't want to jump the gun on these. Two. I think that those are, are are definitely the last two we're going to be talking about. Yeah. But I would, I mean, I would even say Better O'Rourke before I'd say De Blasio because I think that De Blasio gained momentum out of that out of the debate. I think he did. O'Rourke, I think lost it. He, that's definitely true, but Bill de Blasio is starting from such a low place yeah. that he would have to get momentum to get momentum. Well, de Blasio, uh, according to a popularity contest uh, done by 538. A poll? A poll. <laughs> they, 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 they call it the popularity contest in, in, the, in their article. Okay. I wasn't just, you know, saying that because I didn't know the word to poll. Okay. They pulled them at, at three different times, once before, once during, and, and once after. Uh, and he had a 19.1% favorable before and 21.2 unfavorable that went to 28.7 favorable and 30.4 unfavorable so he he basically lost as many as he gained but i think that what this really shows is a gain in recognition which i think that most of the people the first night seem to have gotten gotten some additional recognition all right well let me ask you this we have to get rid of 10 candidates mm-hmm. tonight of course yeah and do you want I would, do you are I you would, so desperate to keep bill de blasio off that list do you should hmm. i should i gillibrand him i gillibrand him well on the other hand another chart from uh 538 article says that his twitter follower increase was only 2600 whereas someone like kamala harris or Julian Castro had in the 55,000 Twitter follower increases. So, you know, I, I definitely don't think that he made enough of a impression to get get that much further. So, yeah, I, I, I put him with Gillibrand, but... All right, so he's at the bottom of the list for now, and it is your pick. Okay. With that, I think that my next pick is going to be Beto O'Rourke. Okay. I I was a very big fan of him before he started this election, when when he was running for uh, Senate against Ted Cruz, I definitely was very hopeful that he would be running for president next. The fact that he was that close to beating Ted Cruz in Texas felt like it was still an accomplishment. But 
That said, he definitely hit a big roadblock, and I think that these debates were a very good sign of it. I think that a lot of other candidates were trying to leapfrog over him on his way down. Uh, uh, so I'm really surprised that you, Lowell. Why? I didn't think that you were the kind of person who would pick on someone who is so clearly sick. Yes. Well, we did both both say that he looks sick, and I... I think give Beto O'Rourke an orange or any kind of citrus fruit, <laughs> and he will be right back at the top. He has scurvy, and you're being very unfair. We don't know that he has scurvy, but he did seem like he was... He didn't seem like he had the same energy that he had during his his Senate He run. hasn't had vitamin C in six months. He constantly would let himself be interrupted by other people. I, I, I think that he made some some interesting, very canned feeling choices in, in his use of his use of Spanish off the, right off the bat. He was the first candidate to speak in Spanish. It, it felt extraordinarily pandery. He has a disease that is linked to the fact that he hasn't he's been adrift on a boat for the past six months and hasn't had any vitamin C. And you're you're being very cruel to the man. No, what I think he should do is he should eat a banana. Yeah, no, uh, he definitely needs some potassium and some yeah. vitamin C. Uh, <laughs> but that said, so I'm I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise my veto power and put him on the Gillibrand list. Okay, because I'm not quite ready to say goodbye to Beto. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna stick around longer than like a, a John Delaney or a Tim Ryan. The the last two that I'm ready to get rid of are the fun candidates, and I'm gonna start with Andrew Yang. Okay. Do you have any reason that you want him on the Gillibrand list? Uh, oh no, no. He he has to go. And so I wrote down, I wrote down that I felt like he was the Kickstarter candidate. So before you before you watch the second debate, I asked you to take note of how many times he spoke. Did you do that? I didn't actually, but I think it was like two or three. Let me give you let me give you an over-under. Did he speak more or less than three times? I'd say less. He spoke twice. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was because really every time he was asked a question, he said Oh, I'm going to give a thousand dollars to everyone. Yeah, that was really the only thing he said. He said uh, I would pass a one thousand dollar freedom dividend for every American adult starting at age eighteen. At this point, at when he said that, he still had more to say. When he said that, you could audibly hear giggling from the entire audience. Yeah. Then he said, which would speed us up on climate change, which continued the giggling. That was, because, a, real, that was a real stretch. If yeah. we give people $1,000, they're going to focus on climate change. Because if you get the boot off of people's throats, they'll focus on climate change much more clearly. Yeah. He also had a, a great line, it is not left, it is not right, it is forward. And the phrase, trickle up economy. This was pretty much his entire platform. All right, he's out. He's out of the race. Yep. And it's your Do you have anything more to say on him? No, no, because he spoke twice. We, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've repeated every word that he's said. So I also 
I'll leave you the other the other good one. Uh, I I really like Tulsi Gabbard. I am ready to let her go. I'm not going to put her on the Gillibrand list. I'm going to say that she can go. And the reason is that she is one of only one candidates that I wrote down no notes for. Oh, so not a single note. Not a single note. She didn't say a single thing that I found interesting. So I like her, but I I think that she needs to develop. Yeah. Uh, she needs to develop beyond a one-issue candidate. And she was asked a question really early on in the debate ab- about equal rights for men and women. The question that she answered was about military and her foreign affairs experience. She did not say a single thing about equal rights. I don't know why that is, but she pivoted immediately to military and foreign affairs and her experience. And then didn't really say anything about anything else the rest of the night. Very often, things were introduced with the the three words, as a soldier. Mm-hmm. She talked about the greatest threat being nuclear war. Oh, wait, there's also one more that I want to want to get rid of. Well, that's cool. We might not have to dip into the Gillibrand list. I don't think we do. Uh, I also think... Well, it's my pick. Well, do you want to... I can, I can take this... This one, and you can you can take the good one. We can because save. We, should, we can save. We, should, we can save this one for last. Yeah, That's I, think fair. Should, okay. I think we should. Who, who is last. your other one? Uh, Amy Klobuchar. Most of what she said all night were really, I, I have to admit, quite good one-liners, like uh, "all foam and no beer." Yeah. And if billionaires can pay off their yacht, students can pay off their student loans. Uh, and immigrants do not diminish America. They are America. But she basically was doing one-liners. When we were watching our, our first watch of that debate, you said that she's running for vice president, and I kind of rolled—I kind of rolled my eyes. I, I still think to, that. No, I have to give it up to you. You're totally right. Because every single time she was asked a question following other people. She would say, I agree with these people, and I think that those ideas are, are great. And she, would, she was very supportive of other people's ideas. She very much didn't want to ruffle anyone else's feathers. And I really do think that she is trying to position herself as being the good Midwest can, uh, running mate. She also, I noted, she uh, spoke eight times total, and only once did she seize control of the floor by uh, talking over everyone else. So yeah, she was she very well behaved. For she lack did of a not want term. to. She did not want to seem like she was in competition with anyone. Yeah, I really don't feel like. I, I feel like she wanted to be a person who would who who you would not have a tarnished ticket with. Mm-hmm. And she, her, her big thing was, I listen to people and that's how I get things done. Yeah, I, I, I really expect to see her in the, the list of potential running mates. Yeah. 
for whoever actually gets there. Yeah, I won't fight you on that. I won't put her on the Gillibrand list. So, the final person. The immortal Marianne Williamson. She was exactly as I expected, and so much more. So, I, I for a while, didn't think she was going to talk. Because <laughs> she didn't say a single word outside of introductions for the almost the first half hour of the debate. So, I, I noted she spoke for the first time at 9.27 in a debate that started at 9. And uh, one of the first things that she said was, it's very nice that they have all these plans. If you think we're going to beat Donald Trump just by having all these plans, you've got another thing coming. Yeah. I was not the only person who thought that she sounded like Catherine Hepburn. No, you were very right on yeah. that. She, she has that pronounced mid 20th century Atlantic yeah. accent. Yeah, no, she she sounded like she was she was in an old-timey movie. Yeah. She also said a bizarre thing about the prime minister of New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, my first call is my first call is the prime to the prime minister of New Zealand. Yeah, I didn't even know how to take a note on that cuz it's just <laughs> it's so crazy. I would tell her Girlfriend, you are so wrong because America is going to be the best place for a kid to go, grow up. It was baffling. But I think that the, the highlight for me was this quote. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he's harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening... I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you are doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I'm going to meet you on that field, and sir, love will win. Which sound, when she was saying that, I, I could only imagine her on some kind of weird astral plane battling with... <laughs> light against Voldemort or some kind of thing. It was it was as if it was from like a weird Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yeah, and we <laughs> we like that was when we talked about her initially, I think that was one of the things we noted is love is a big thing for her. Yes. At the same it's it's insane and at the same time totally makes sense that she actually spoke about that during the debate. And yet I don't know if I can put her on that list because I would be, I, am I would be willing to veto your veto. Well, what I mean is I want her to leave the campaign, but I don't think she will. My real concern is that people are going to see her as the anti-Trump, the the same kind of extremely un unbased in reality, completely off-whatever-cuff person, because she is the candidate that I dismissed in 20, 2015. The same... Uh, my feeling towards Williamson is the same feeling I had toward, toward Donald Trump. And she, I thought that she is he not, was gone. She is not Donald Trump in that she... Donald Trump was polling well throughout the campaign. He didn't start out at Marianne Williamson levels. You're right. He was at like 20, 20. At a, cer at a certain point, starting with the next debate, Marianne Williamson is not going to qualify for the stage. Yeah. 
And that is when things go very even further south for her campaign. Well, I can only hope because if you try to leave her off this list, I'm going to do something drastic. Hey, hey, I just have to say, she and Andrew are you, Yang. Are you going to win? Each, are you going to win me back with love? No, she and Andrew Yang each got over thirty thousand increased Twitter followers cool. after the debate. Neat. I don't know if that. I don't think that means anything, but. Who knows? I think that some people were were receptive to it. That's all all I can say. And and that frightens me. I do I think we have seen the last of her. So that leaves our list of candidates whose campaigns are ending tonight as John Delaney, Michael Bennett, John Hickenlooper, Tim Ryan, Eric Swalwell, Jay Inslee, Andrew Yang. Tulsi Gabbard, Amy Klobuchar, and Marianne Williamson. We did not have to dip into the Gillibrand list. And so who does that leave us still in the campaign? That leaves us with, well, the Gillibrand list. So Beto O'Rourke, Bill de Blasio, Kirsten Gillibrand, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and that is all. Okay. Well, I think there's a lot to be talked about all of them, but I think we'll save it for the future because I think we'll be seeing them in the future. Yes. So, uh, in the meantime, it is time for us to go to our break. All right. Hi, this is Lowell. Thank you for listening to I Read the News Today, oh boy. Please... Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you happen to be listening to this on. And you can follow us on Twitter at NewsOboy and please send us weird and funny news articles and, you know, let us know what you'd like to hear on on the show. Uh, Our email is also NewsOboy at gmail.com. As we said last week, last show we're now on a once every two week schedule so our next one will be coming out on wednesday july 17th enjoy the rest of the show all right so we're going to do all right lowell you are a monster we're going to do a uh a weird article and aiden has already said that i'm a monster for for the one that we're doing can you read us the title of this article Yes, in my parents' house, I will read, what <laughs> did we get stuck in our rectums last year? Cool, cool, cool. So this is, this is uh, pretty much just a list uh, based off of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission's database of emergency room visits. This is uh, a, a selection of the funniest things that were caught into people's orifices over the course of Oh, so this is actually, this is a much more interesting list than I thought because it's not just rectums. It's not just rectums. Yeah. Uh, This was written by Barry Pecheski for Deadspin. So can can you pull out some of the best ones from that were stuck in the ear? Well, match is horrifying. (laughs) Um, Drain plug raises a lot of questions. Tampon's pretty good. I didn't get to tampon just yet. Uh, do you know off the top of your head what a phloem is? Phloem, phloem is, I, I think is that, that Nickelodeon. Oh, uh, you're right, that, it is. That, that, I don't know if Nickelodeon made it, but uh, they always had it had ads okay, for yeah. it. 
it, uh, it was like it was like uh it was what, what was the it was like slime but it was more yeah more okay. foamy it was foamy slime it could re- re- retain a shape uh i like this this longer quote popcorn kernels in both ears feeds her ears because her ears are hungry yeah that's that's pretty good <laughs> Was cleaning wall was cleaning ear with Q-tip. Accidentally walked into wall, pushed Q-tip into ear. Oh god! Awful, awful, awful. Car key. Yeah, a whole one. (laughs) And then that's so. That's a question too. Is that like a normal, like just a a normal key? Is it the fob? Yeah, was it a fob? That that was it a fob? Was it one with a chip in it? Okay, so that's the ear. Okay. What about nose? Nose. Ah, nose is a short list. Yeah, it is. But there's there's a really uh, an especially good one that I I have uh, confusion on. Is it the quote? No. Mm. No. Is it is it because okay? So there are three that are listed that are gum, gum wrapper, and gum in wrapper. Which is which is a fun little uh, you know uh, build on it, on itself. But pool, no, pool, it's, it's the, pool noodle cannot pool possibly noodle. be the whole one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't imagine. But also, I'm not sure what sex toy would be be really fitting in your nose, or what sexual pr- pleasure you'd think that you'd get out of putting it in your nose. But teach their own throat. Throat banana. Well, I mean that that's kind of supposed to be there. Yeah, no, it's, that's that's predictable. Yeah, drinking coffee out of chip dip container that had some plastic seal in place and felt peace break off while drinking still in throat. So piece of plastic seal. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's. I mean, that's that's almost a fear of mine. Yeah, yeah. Steel wool. Oh no. Ooh, that's awful. Swallowed, Swallowed a quarter while eating peanuts is challenging. So then we have a very long list. Of penis. Oh Jesus, lol. <laughs> okay, that's that could be longer. Pipe cleaner, straw, domino, thin electrified rod. <laughs> well, we know what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, put soap on electrical wire. Inserted wire. In <laughs> oh my <penis>. god. Oh <laughs> my god. Crack vial. Like vial of crack. I believe so. Oh man, it goes in the nose, buddy. <laughs> I love the specificity of the last one. Three millimeter command strip plastic hook. Well, no, it's 3M is the brand. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Then we have, predictably, vagina. All right. Colored pencil, baton, small child's toy. Inserted a crayon. Can't remember if it came out. <laughs> Had an egg vibrator come apart in vagina, leaving part of it and five batteries. Vaginal canal. No. No. Penis ring. Okay. Well, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, artificial fingernail. That's... that's No. 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 Yeah. There, there's no. a story there and we know what it is. Yep. Slipped and fell on wet floor at home and also had, has had sex toys stuck in vagina for eight months. That's its home now. It lives there. <laughs> it lives there. Oh God! Oh, now by far the longest list. Yes, uh, the the titular list. Yeah, rectum. SD Christmas. SD card. That's no good. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure that there was some sensitive information on there. Christmas ornament ball, billiard ball, 
nail file, iPad, iPad stylus. stylus. I'm glad that we both were yeah, just Yeah, these are kind of neat. Yeah. Pushed drugs up rectum using a lighter. Mm. Was able to retrieve the drugs bag, yet believe lighter got stuck. That means mm. lighter eclipsed <laughs> yeah. drug bag. Yeah. Plastic S- pill small, bottle. Small shampoo bottle, full-size shampoo bottle. That's a good build. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Took a soda bottle with fireball whiskey via his rectum. Stuck bottle in rectum and squeezed. Okay, I'm, I, I'm, I just need a second to, to read that slowly. Dum-dum. 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 Well, that doesn't, so that doesn't make it clear that there is anything stuck in there. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there is a bottle. Maybe the bottle, one, once squeezed, the bottle got stuck. Oh, soda bottle. Okay, I was, yeah. I was picturing can. I know it says bottle. Well, can would be worse in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, Sharpness. Yeah. Candle in condom. That also has a story. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't care to figure out what that is. <laughs> Squirted mixture of bleach and water into rectum, wanting to prevent AIDS. That's just science. <laughs> what? <laughs> Light, light bulb is, that's a scene in Scrubs. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, that's Either there's a light bulb up his spot or his colon's got a great idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. The whole handle of the broom? Probably not. But <laughs> significant, significant amount, amount of, of string. string. Oh, that's very funny. Yeah. Well, that's all of it. That th- these are the highlights of of what got stuck into people's orifices in the year of 2018. Yeah. All right. Now we're gonna move to the uh, this this week's what? Why do we call it the wiki of the week? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, Aiden, what do you have for me? So I have one Wikipedia article for you. Can you hover over it real quick? Don't click on it just yet. Yeah. Unless, yeah. What do you see? I see HTTPS colon slash slash en dot Wikipedia dot org slash wiki slash spite like underscore house. Spite, spite house. Spite, spite so house. yes, it is spite house. Now, are uh, you familiar with the concept? No. Should I be? Okay. You I thought you okay. might be. Okay. You'll see why in just a okay. sec. Um, so give it a click. Spite House is a building constructed or substantially modified to irritate neighbors or any party with land stakes. Ah, so what I see in the picture is a, a miniature house in between two, like, ap- apartment complexes. My assumption is it was built there out of spite, uh, but, but out of spite specifically for developers because someone owned that little strip of land. But where is the, that, that picture? Oh, it's in, it's in Boston, Massachusetts. See, that's why I thought you might know about this. No, I mean, like, there's a lot of things going on in Boston, Massachusetts. I remember during a trip to Boston having this pointed out to me. Not by me. Oh, it seems like uh, Massachusetts has a large history of of spite houses, seeing as the first example they have was in 1716 in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Right. Is that in Boston? No, well, it's 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 right by uh, it's it's in the North Shore near Salem. I I, I went to preschool in Marblehead. Oh, yeah. 
It says it's still standing and occupied. <laughs> yep. It, and and the name of it is the old spite house. That can't be true. That's what what do you mean? That it's still standing and occupied? Well, the house that I lived in in Salem was uh, about as old, if not older. This is 1716. All right. Well, I'm going to have to put a pin in the old spite house and find more about that later. So, yeah, I mean, the examples, a lot of them are very sort of similar. Just uh, usually one guy being a dick. Yeah. So, yeah, the old spite house, we didn't say, is 10 feet uh, wide and just tall enough to block the view of two other houses on the street, Orange Street. Uh, I don't think that it, it gives that much uh, context into what dispute created that that little house. Yeah, a lot of that is lost in the 1716 yeah. history of the old Spite House. Want to tell me a bit more about some of these? So it mentions the skinny house in Boston, which we talked about. Um, and it uh, the history of the, the skinny house is in 1874. Two brothers in the north end of Boston got into a dispute. Each had previously inherited land from the deceased father. The second brother, well, the second brother was away serving in the military. The first brother built a large home, leaving the soldier only a shred of property that the first brother felt was too tiny to build on. When the second brother returned, he built a smaller house uh, next uh, door to the bigger house, blocking the sunlight and ruining the view. Yeah. Uh, which you can see in the photo. It's just a wee little house. Yeah. Yeah, there's there was one in New York City that unfortunately was demolished in 1915. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, one one thing I would say is there is a New York City landmark that we visit not infrequently. That it's not a spite house or a spite wall, but it is a spite. I would say um, triangle. Are you talking about the the Hess triangle? The Hess triangle. Yes. T- tell 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 us a bit about the Hess triangle. So the Hess Triangle is a tiny triangle of land um, around 10th Street. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds right. The um, text of the plaque on the triangle says property of the Hess Estate, which has never been dedicated for public purposes. And the story of it is whoever the then patriarch of the Hess family, not the, um, the gas station chain, but some other Hess family, owned this small triangle of land. And in the early 1910s, New York City claimed eminent domain to demolish the structures that were there and uh, build more buildings. Mm -hmm. So uh, when ultimately they were able to do that, the patriarch of the Hess family erected this small triangle with a plaque (laughs) on it uh, to make it clear that he never designated the land to... Uh, be used by anyone other than himself. Yeah. And it's still there. Yeah. We we step on it every once in a while. Yes. I'm pretty sure that a friend of ours licked it. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> confirm I was there. <laughs> yeah, so there, there are a bunch of other ones, including one maybe dis- disputable spite, spite property. Uh, Which one is that? Formerly the land owned by film producer George Lucas. Oh. Uh, he he owned land in Marin County, California. He wanted to build uh, a movie studio on that land, and he had a lot of 
a position from the the wealthy residents of of the area and he instead uh decided to turn it into low low income housing and it, it pe- people have have speculated that it was to spite the the high income residents in the county but Lucas himself has rejected that also the Westboro Baptist Church located yeah in, the equality house yeah located in Topeka Kansas a hate group known for anti-LGBT picketing was combated by a humanitarian charity called Planting Peace, which purchased a house across the street from the church in 2013 and painted it to match the colors of the rainbow pride flag. It was named the, as you said, Equality House. And then in 2016, they repainted it Oh, oh, acquired the the house next door to that house and painted it the colors of the transgender pride flag. Oh, that's great. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the stories are pretty much the same. Like, yeah, someone someone bought some land to or or use some land in some way to screw someone over because they were an ass to them. A lot of you're right. A lot of these are in Massachusetts. Yeah, in some no. Way. There's there's Newbury, Massachusetts has one. There's uh, West Cambridge. Yeah, there are there are at least four, maybe five. Salem, Massachusetts. At some point before nineteen eighteen ninety eight, a home was erected in Salem, Massachusetts, to cut off uh, the view of a neighbor. After the owner died, his heirs agreed in nineteen in eighteen ninety eight to have the Salem Spite House torn down to avoid a vexatious lawsuit with the obnoxious neighbor. Yeah, I guess the Massachusetts has a long history of spitefulness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a good Wikipedia. Yeah. So I guess we're gonna wrap up the show again. Uh, Want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll we'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, we'll leave you with one more headline. All right. Could you read the headline for me, Aiden? All right. A poacher who killed hundreds of deer was sentenced to repeatedly watch Bambi. <laughs> I'm a big fan of creative sentencing. <laughs> right. I've been Lol. And I am Aiden. And have a great couple weeks. Thank you and have a pleasant good night.